The first three Mishnahis of this Perek listed 11 different ways in which the laws of Tumah with regards to Karbonais are more strict than with regards to Truma. Now because the laws of Karbonais are more strict and Karbonais are considered to be more holy than Truma, this actually led to an opposite effect that Amihaoretz, ignorant people who weren't so particular about the laws of Tumah and Tara, they ended up being more careful with the halachas of Tumantara of Carbonis than with the laws of Truma. Since they knew that Carbonis were more strict, so they were more particular about those laws than they were particular about the Tumma laws of Truma. And because of that, Truma, there are also some stringencies in Truma more than Carbonis, and that is as follows. Should be Yehuda, that in the area of Eretz Yisrael, known as Yehuda, Eretz Yisrael was split into two main areas, Yehuda and Golil. And there was a small piece of land in between those two areas, which was occupied by Kusim, who were a group of non-Jews who underwent a conversion to become Jewish. But ultimately it was discovered that the conversion was not genuine, and therefore they remained non-Jews. And with Yabonon, any land of non-Jews is considered to be Tomei. So that means that any wine or oil which comes from Golil could not be used for the wine and oil which is needed in the base Hamikdash because it was considered to be Mijabon and Tomei, because it had to go through this small piece of land of the non-Jews, and it would become Tomei on the way. And therefore the mission discusses wine and oil, which comes from the area known as Yehuda, which could still be used for use in the Beit HaMikdash. So the mission says, Shabi Yehuda, that in the area of Yehuda, Ne'emonim al-Taras ya'in v'shemen kol are trusted regarding the purity of their wine and oil throughout the year. If an Amaretz comes to the Beit HaMikdash to bring a korban, and he also brings oil and wine, which are needed to accompany the korban, if he claims that it is Tohar, then he is trusted, because we know that Ami Haoretz are particular about the laws of Tumantara when it comes to Karbanos. But when it comes to Truma in general, they are not trusted. They are only trusted of Shas HaGitos V'Habadim Afala Truma. During the period of the pressing of grapes into wine and pressing of olives into oil, then they believed even about Truma. That if they come to a Kohen and they give the Kohen some oil and wine, which they say is Truma, so if they give this to the Kohen during the period where everybody is pressing their grapes and olives, so then the Amiyaretz are trusted, since during that time everybody would be careful to become Tahar, so that the Truma would be Tahar and they'd be able to give it to a Kohen. However, once the time of the pressing of the grapes and olives has passed, and then and then Amoretz brings a Kohen, a jug of Truma wine, he should not accept it from him. He needs to be concerned that that Truma is Tomei, because once the actual period of the pressing of the olives and grapes has passed, so then the Amoretz stop being particular about the laws, and they sort of allow themselves and their produce to become Tomei. However, interestingly, says the Mishnah, but the Amoretz could just leave it until the next season of pressing the grapes, and then he could bring it to a coin, and then the coin can accept it. Even if the coin knows that he kept it since the previous year, he can still accept it because the entire decree not to trust the Amoretz is only with Jabonon. And during this period of time, the Rabbonon said that you can trust him. So if the Amoretz during this period of time says that the Truma wine is Tahar, then it is believed and the Kohen can take it and drink it. Furthermore, says the Mishnah, 
if it is not during that season, and therefore an Amaretz is generally not believed about Truma, he's only believed about Karbanais. Then Amaretz, if the Amaretz says to the Koyen, here I've got a jug of Truma wine for you, and you should know that he frashed to the Seicher of his Kodesh. I also separated inside this barrel a little bit extra, more than the amount which I needed to separate for Truma, and that extra is in order that you be able to use that for Karbanais. When you have to, when you bring a Karban and you have to bring wine with the Karban, so you should know that I separated some wine, some extra wine into here so that you can use it for your wine, for your carbonase. So in such a case, Neman, he is believed about all of the wine that it is Tahar, because since we're believing him that part of the wine is Tahar, so we now believe him about all of the wine in, in the jug. Firstly, because if not, then it's impossible that part of the wine be Tahar and part of it be Tomei. And secondly, because it's considered a lack of respect towards the Besamikdash and the Karbanais, if the wine used with the Karbanais comes from a mixture of wine which is considered Tomei. And because of that, the Rabbonin did not decree in this case not to believe him. Jugs of wine or oil, which are mixed, this literally means that they are mixed with Truma and Maestras and Chulin. In general, the term Muduma refers to a mixture of Truma and Chulin. But in this case, we are referring to Tevel. Tevel refers to produce or wine or oil from which the tithes have not yet been separated. And for that reason, it's considered as if it's a mixture, because technically included in the Tevel is the Chulin and the Truma and the Maestras, which just needs to separate out. And we're discussing a case where the Amhoaretz intended that in the future he's going to separate some of the wine which is contained in the Tevel. He's going to separate it and use it for the sake of wine with Karbanais. He'll separate the Trumas and Maestras, take that, give it to a Koyen or a Levi, and then with the remaining Chulin wine, he plans on taking some of that and using it for Karbanais. Says the Mishnah, the Amoretz are trusted about them, meaning they're trusted about even the utensils, even the jugs, during the period of the pressing of the grapes and the olives, and also within 70 days before the season of pressing the grapes and olives, even 70 days before, he is believed about the jugs which contain the wine and oil, since from that time people would begin to make sure that their utensils and their jugs were pure, so that it would be ready fully for the pressing of the grapes and the olives. And even though the jugs themselves are not part of that mixture of wine, we still believe him about the jugs, because otherwise it would be considered a lack of respect towards the Karbonis and the Besamikdash, if the containers of that wine were considered to be Tomei. It should be noted that whereas in the first part of the Mishnah, when we're talking about the wine itself, the Amorites is believed all year round if he says that part of it is, is going to be used for Karbanais. But at the end of the Mishnah, we're saying that he's only believed during the season and 70 days before the season. The reason for the difference, Tosus explains, is that at the end of the Mishnah, he's only intending that in the future, once he separates the Trumas and Maestras, so then he's going to use part of the Chulin for wine to bring with Karbanais. It's much more removed than in the first part of the Mishnah, where he says that part of this wine is going to be used, I've already designated part of this wine to be used with Karbanais, and therefore in that case the Amorites would be more concerned, he's more trustworthy, whereas at the end of the Mishnah he is less trustworthy, and therefore we only believe him around the season of the pressing of the grapes and the olives. Mishnah is that once one brings a carbon and it's a carbon which can be eaten, for example a carbon shalomim, so you would take it and cook it, for example, in a earthenware oven, 
or on an earthenware dish, which you would put into the oven. The Torah says that if earthenware was used for the cooking or baking of carbonos, the part of the taste of the carbonos would be absorbed into the earthenware. Now the halacha is that once the time for eating the carbon has passed, any part of the carbon which hasn't been eaten yet needs to be destroyed, needs to be burnt. So the carbon taste which has been absorbed into the earthenware needs to be destroyed, and therefore the halacha is, says the Torah, that the earthenware would need to be broken and smashed once used for carbonos. And therefore you can imagine that there was a need for lots and lots of earthenware and pottery, because every time somebody came for to, to the Beis HaMikdash to bring carbonos, he would need to buy new pottery. Now the halacha is that it's forbidden for people who make pottery to do so inside of Yerushalayim. Since making pottery requires very large furnaces, and there would be lots of smoke produced by them, which could infringe on the beauty of the city of Yerushalayim, so the Rabbanon said that it was forbidden for them to make pottery inside Yerushalayim. And therefore, pretty much everybody who came to bring carbonos in Yerushalayim would buy pottery from people making it very close to Yerushalayim. Now, as you can imagine, most, or at least many, of those people making pottery were Amihaorets. They were ignorant. They weren't learned people. And so, in general, we would not trust them about their utensils, and we would assume them to be Tomei. And indeed, if somebody buys a metal dish or something from an Amhaoretz very close to Yerushalayim to use for carbonos, he would not be able to trust the Amhaoretz, and therefore he would need to assume that the dish was Tomei. So he would buy it from the Amhaoretz, and then he would have to dip it into a mikveh to purify it. However, earthenware utensils, once an earthenware utensil has become Tomei, it can never be purified, unless it's smashed. Now this would lead to a very big problem. There was a need for lots and lots of pottery and earthenware dishes, but most of the people selling it close to Yerushalayim were Amihaaretz. Says the Mishnah, From the city called Midias, which was a city nearby Yerushalayim, and inwards, so from Midias and inwards towards Yerushalayim, if one buys pottery or earthenware utensils from an Amhoretz there, they can be trusted about earthenware utensils if they claim that they are Tahar. The Rabbanon did not apply their decree of not trusting the Amoretz in this situation, and this is because of the rule that in The Rabbanon never make a decree upon the community if most people would not be able to fulfill this decree. And therefore in this situation they did not apply the decree, and one is able to trust the Amoretz if he claims that the utensil is Tahar. But from the city of Medias outwards, further away from Yerushalayim, Einemon, and they are not trusted. Kate said, how so? The mission is going to list a couple of more conditions over here. One who is selling pots and other earthenware utensils. If he enters this area within Medias inwards, and the person who wants to buy the earthenware sees him coming in. So Hua Kadar, he is the same person selling, meaning you can only buy it if it's the same person who bought the utensils in who is selling it. But if the person who bought it in gave it to somebody else to sell, so you can't trust the second guy, though the utensils were always kept to her. Secondly, the Hainakaderais, only on those exact pots and earthenware utensils which he brought in. Only on those is he trusted. But if, let's say, he had some other pots which he took from elsewhere, he didn't bring them in. Let's say he bought them from somebody else within Midias, so he's not trusted on those ones. Rather, he's only trusted on the ones which he brought in himself. The Hinalaikrim and those people who saw him come in with those pots, they are the ones buying it. 
But if, let's say, you heard from somebody else that they saw him come in, then you would not be able to... You have to have seen that person come in and bring those pots in and buy only those pots from him. If all of those conditions are met, then Ne'emon, then he is trusted. However, again, Yotzar, if he leaves that area within Moideus, Eno Ne'emon, he is no longer trusted. Even if we saw him come in, as soon as he steps out of that area, the decree of the Rabbonon steps in again and he would not be trusted. Mr. Vov, another stringency of Truma over Karbonois. Again, this has to do with trusting in Amhaoretz. Hagaboim, tax collectors, we're referring to Jewish Amhaoretz, who are tax collectors, on behalf of a non-Jewish ruler. And the non-Jewish ruler told them to go into a person's house who hadn't yet paid the tax, and to take some of his items until he will pay the tax. So they entered into a person's house, and they took something, and similarly thieves, who again are Amihaoretz, who returned the items which they stole, because they decided they wanted to do tshuva. They stole it, now they regretted it, so they came back in order to do tshuva and to return the items. Such people, Ne'emonim, are trusted, to say that we didn't touch... So in the first case, those tax collectors are trusted to say that they didn't touch anything else other than the items which they took. And the thief also, of course, he touched the utensil. However, as we have seen, certain utensils, even if you touch them on the outside, they don't become tome. An earthenware utensil can only become tome from the inside of the utensil. So if the thief says that he didn't touch the inside of the utensil, then he is trusted and one can assume that the utensil remains tahar. Now the Mishnah mentions one last stringency of Truma over Karbonis, and this is very much related to the previous Mishnah. The previous Mishnah only referred to small earthenware utensils. Now within Moideus, one can trust Namaoretz about small earthenware utensils. This Mishnah is going to add now that Uvi Yerushalayim, in Yerushalayim itself, inside the city, Ne'emonim ala Kodesh, Amiyaoretz are trusted about all utensils for the sake of Karbonis, even larger earthenware utensils, any type. Since there was such a large need for these things in Yerushalayim, so they were believed about any utensil. regel, And during the time of a Yomtev, and in the few days leading up to the Yomtev itself, so in the city of Yerushalayim, all Amihoritz are trusted, Afala Truma, even about Truma, since everybody was particular to purify themselves for the sake of the Yomtev, before coming up to the Beis Hamikdash, they are all trusted that they are Tahar. The Gemara brings the Posuk, Vayosef called Ish Yisrael El Ho'ir Ke'ish Echod Chaveirim. The Posuk in Shaftim, which says that all of the Jewish people gathered together to the city, like one man, Chaveirim. They were literally friends. We see from there that at a time such as a Yom Tov, where everybody gathers together, where you have that Achdos of all of Chal Yisrael, so then every single member of the Jewish people is considered to be a Chover, which is the opposite of an Amharetz, one who is trusted with regards to Tumantara, and therefore during the Yom Tov itself, all Amihoretz are trusted with regards to Tuma and Tara. Mishnah Zayin, after having learned that during the Yom Tov, everyone, even Amihoretz, are considered to be trusted with regards to Tuma, and we consider them to be pure, the Mishnah tells us that HaPisech Eschovisoi, one who opens up his barrel of wine over Yom Tov and he begins selling the wine, 
And during the course of Yom Tov, many people touched the wine or touched the barrel, including many Ami Ha'aretz. And the same applies to somebody of a Hamaskal Bi'isosai, one who begins selling his dough. And again, during Yom Tov, Ami Ha'aretz touched that dough, Al Gav Haregel, for the sake of Yom Tov, and it was considered to be Tahar. He could tell those who were buying it that it's considered to be Tahar. The question of the mission is, what happens after Yom Tov? Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Yigmar, he's allowed to finish that batch of dough and that barrel, he can continue selling that as Tahar. He can tell those who are buying it that it is considered to be Tahar, because according to Rabbi Yehuda, when their Abonon lifted their restriction, when they said that on Yom Tov, everybody is considered to be Tahar, that means that if anybody touches it during Yom Tov, we view it as if a Tahar person touched it, such that even after Yom Tov, as long as the Amharets don't touch it after Yom Tov, it remains Tahar. However, the Chachom say Lo Yigmar, you cannot finish selling it and telling people that it's Tahar, because really, there is still a suspicion that the Amharets on Yom Tov are still considered to be Tomei. It's true that on Yom Tov itself, the Rabbonon said that you don't need to worry about that suspicion. But the suspicion still exists, which means that after Yom Tov, one does need to suspect and be concerned about the fact that the Amiharetz may have been Tomei. And therefore, if an Amiharetz touched it on Yom Tov, the moment Yom Tov goes out, the moment Yom Tov ends, that wine and the dough will be considered to be Tomei. Now, another ramification of this idea, that when Yom Tov ends, we look retroactively that the Amiharetz was Tomei, if you think about it, pretty much all of Kaisal came to the Beis Hamikdash for the Yom Tov, for the Sholosh Rugalim, and many of the utensils which were used in the Beis Hamikdash would have been touched by Ami Ha'aretz. And now, in this case, everybody agrees that after Yom Tov they are considered to be Tomei. We're talking about utensils in the Beis Hamikdash, where we definitely need to be more concerned, and therefore even Rabbi Yehuda agrees in this case that we need to be concerned about the Tumah the moment Yom Tov ends. And therefore, Misha'ova Haregel, once the Yom Tov has ended, they would take out all of the utensils in order to take care of the purity of the courtyard in the Beis HaMikdash. And as we'll see in the next Mishnah, they would dip all of those utensils into a mikveh in order to purify them. Says the Mishnah, shishi. What happens if the Yom Tov ended and the next day was a Friday? So the last day of Yom Tov was a Thursday. In such a case, they would not take out all of the utensils and purify them the day after Yom Tov, on the Friday. Because of the honor of Shabbos, in order that the Koyanim have enough time to spend preparing for Shabbos. Rabbi Yehuda says, Even if the day after Yom Tov is a Thursday, they would wait until Sunday to do all of this purification. Since the Koyanim are not available the day immediately after Yom Tov, the Gemara explains that they are busy clearing away the ashes which have piled up on the Mizbeach from all the huge numbers of carbonis which have been brought over Yom Tov by everybody who came, there would be a lot of work which had to be done to clear away the ashes, and therefore they would never have time the next day. So in general, they would wait until two days after Yom Tov to purify all of the utensils. But on a case where two days after Yom Tov is a Friday, they would wait until Sunday before, before purifying all of those utensils of the Beis HaMikdash. How would they deal with those things which they took out in order to take care of the purity of the Beis HaMikdash and its utensils. They would dip in a mikveh all of the utensils which were in the Beis HaMikdash, and now we're talking about on Yom Tov itself. On Yom Tov itself, the Kanim would warn all of the people who were coming into the Beis HaMikdash, Hizaru, take care, not to touch the Shulchan, which is the table on which there were 12 loaves of bread constantly, don't touch it in case it becomes Tomei. 
Some Mishnahis read the word Menorah as well, but most Mepharshim delete that word. Be as it may, regarding the Shulchan, it is learned from Pesukim that the Shulchan has to be kept in its place constantly. It can't be moved. And therefore, they would not go and purify it after Yom Tov, because it has to be kept in its place. So there was an extra concern to make sure that people would not touch the Shulchan in case it would become Tomei. Because if it did become Tomei, they would need to move it and purify it. Or they would replace it with a different Shulchan. But that is not an ideal situation, and therefore they would make sure that people would not touch it so that there was no concern that it would become Tomei. Continues the Mishnah, All of the utensils which were used in the base HaMikdash, They had second ones and third ones. So there would be not only one Menorah, but there would be three Menorahs. Why? That in a case, not just on Yom Tov, but in any case, where somehow the Menorah or any of the other utensils became Tomei, they would bring the second one, the replacement, instead of them, until they managed to purify the first one. There's a discussion as to whether there was more than one Shulchan, in case there would be a case where the Shulchan did become Tomei, but Be'azimei, the Masechta ends off, and the Seydamoid ends off. By telling us that it's true, like we said, that all of the utensils in this Hamikdash require dipping in the mikveh. However, there are two exceptions. Except for the golden Mizbeach, which was inside the Heichal, the main Bishamikdash building, and the copper Mizbeach, which was in the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdosh. And the reason for this is because the halacha is that the Mizbeach cannot become Tomei. Because they are considered to be like like the ground. The halacha is that the ground cannot become Tomei. And the Torah calls the Mizbeach HaNechoshes Mizbeach Adoma, a Mizbeach of the ground. And we learn from there that the Mizbeach HaNechoshes can also not become Tomei, just like the ground cannot become Tomei. And since that Mizbeach can't become Tomei, so to the other Mizbeach cannot become Tomei because the Torah treats both of the Mizbechais as the same. That is the opinion of Rebeliezer. However, say that they can become Tomei and therefore they do need to be purified after every Yom because they are coated in gold or copper. So it's true that the Mizbeach itself is considered to be like the ground and in fact the Mizbeach and the was made out of stone. Stone cannot become Tomei. However, at the end of the day, it was coated in a different material, either gold or copper, and therefore if somebody Tomei did touch it, then it can become Tomei, and therefore according to the Chachomim, it would also need to be purified after every Yom Tov, just like the other utensils in the Beis HaMikdosh.